0: To talk about real estate to the beat. I mean, we could. I didn't figure
1: we'd just talk about real estate. We talk about whatever. What are we gonna talk about? So, talk to me about the adventures of Dad and the origins of the adventures of Dad.
0: Are we recording? Yeah. Okay. So, the adventures of Dad. Um, Last year, my daughter was born on January fourth, and I went back to work on January tenth, and we had a C section, which meant. We were in the hospital until like January 8th or 9th. Um, and so I was, I was home for 24 hours and then I had to go back to work. And so I didn't take any time. And then I didn't take a day off until we went on vacation in early June. Like literally seven days a week, you know, Monday through Friday, you know, solving problems, Saturday out showing, Sunday open houses, you know, 70, 80 hours a week. And I realized that I've, I legitimately missed the first six months of my daughter's life. And then I, one of the biggest problems I had was a builder I was representing who was just not delivering um, on customer expectations. And I was having to step into a project management role instead of just sales. And so it was just consuming my time. So I terminated the relationship with that uh, builder and said that my family was going to be important. And, of course, I didn't do that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. I ended up... um, working just as much. I mean, I would take like one day a week off, but I was still working all the time. And I, and even when I was home, I wasn't mentally present because there was something, some negotiation going on. It was distracting as shit. And so at the beginning of the fourth quarter, I said, I want to spend more time with my kids than my clients. Um, you know, it's kind of beauty being self-employed. You can do those kinds of things. And I didn't do it. I failed miserably. And so my only goal for 2019, well, I've got two goals. One is I want to make a video five days a week, Monday through Friday, with my kids. And that is how I hold myself accountable to spending more time with my family than with my clients. And goal number two is to swim three times a week. And literally, that's it. There's no professional goals. There's nothing other than I want to hang out with my kids more than I do with my clients.
1: But you you want revenue from your YouTube channel?
0: Nope. No? I mean, it'd be sweet if that was my job um that would be amazing you know but that's not the goal the goal is literally to spend time with my kids and like i've already looked back at videos from earlier in the year so we're today is episode 62 we're 90 days in because i don't shoot on saturday or sunday um and dude i'm already so pumped about all the memories i'm gonna have so like yeah. when i sat down Plus they're all documented for you to look at and huddy yeah. and, and, and can remember <clears> it too and so when I was when I sat down with my accountability partner um, at the end of the year, you know, he's like, look, the worst outcome is you spend a whole ton of time with your kids and you have a lot of memories. The best outcome is, you know, you get to 100,000 subscribers and you actually turn this into a revenue source. But, you know, my wife has already yelled at me because, you know, the video has gotten to be more important than the family. And so instead <laughs> of like... And so now it's just some other piece of work. And so I've, I've stepped back and where, you know, the camera becomes secondary. So instead of, like, carrying around a big fancy DSLR, I shoot most of the stuff on a cell phone. Right. Um, you know, the, the quality is not there. And, like, I want to get out my drone and do this big cinematic sequence right. and, like, tell this great story. But that's not what it's about. And, like, I, I'll do those fancy videos, like, once a week. Right. But... It's just so I have this memory with my kids, and I can look back on it because, look, how going to go to school in another year? And, like, he's going to go to elementary school, and then, like, dad's not going to be the center of his world. Right. You know, Hope is growing up so fast. She's already, uh, she's, like, this close to walking. And, like, having the, the memories, like, I, I, I know shit missed the first six months. And I feel absolutely terrible about that, and so I'm trying to make up for that, and I'm trying to make memories, and like if people want to watch it and it and it catches on, that'd be great. Um, you know, Casey that's my absolute hero, and if I could, you know, make my living from YouTube, but I'm not near the storyteller that he is. Um, and it's just it's something that I enjoy, and you know, if I make money from it, great, but I don't think I'm going to.
1: You don't think you're going to? Mm. See, I saw your announcement thing in the proclamation about how many subscribers you want to get, how many videos you wanted to do. And I remember talking to you last year and you were telling me, you know, you don't want to take phone calls after a certain time in the day because Mm -hmm. you spend so much time during the day working, you want to actually have time blocked off your family. Um, So I saw that as Morgan is such a workaholic (laughs) that he's trying to align his, like he's trying to make his family work. (laughs)
0: No, it's <laughs> so. I have zero self control. Yeah. Like, if you leave me in a room with Oreos, like I will, I will eat the whole <laughs> bag. Um. So the, so the thing that keeps me accountable is if I go and tell a bunch of people I'm going to do some great big thing. Okay. And then my fear of failure and like public failure, is what will keep me from quitting. Yeah. Like I have, I don't have the self discipline to. Like if I just wanted to like go sell a hundred houses this year. Yeah. If I didn't tell you that I was going to sell a hundred houses this year, I would no shit quit like a month into it. <laughs> and I know that about myself. Even at this <laughs> point, after you've been
1: doing it as long as you have, and yeah, really,
0: yeah. So like, um, anytime I've been, you know, successful and achieved something that took like a bunch of work that wasn't like, hey, I'm going to put in like four hours, but it was something like I was going to work for. You know, it's going to take six months or it was going to take a year. Unless I made some huge proclamation, I would end up quitting.
1: <laughs> so the other day, whenever I said, you know, I used to tell people my goals and then <clears throat> people don't give me the sustained attention. Um, and also you get gratification from saying your goals out loud and it's yeah. better to delay that gratification. I, I'm poking you right in the axioms whenever I say that, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Sorry.
0: Yep. So, like, with this, I went to five or six people, aside from making, like, the the, the trailer video for the show, for uh-huh. the series, that uh-huh. said I was going to publish a video every single day, and the goal was 100,000 subs. I mean, like, if I get 100,000 subs, like, having a, a silver YouTube play button would be the coolest, greatest yeah. thing that I ever accomplished in my entire life. Uh-huh. Like, it would be, it would, it would be huge. Uh-huh. But it's not necessary. The real goal is just hitting that upload button five times a week. But I went and told five or six people um, that are really important to me. And the thing is their opinion matters to me and not like they're checking on me every single day, but I know that the next time I see them, they're going to ask me. And the thought of having to tell them that I was a failure and I quit when things got hard is what prevents me from quitting.
1: Interesting.
0: Yep. And it's not just that you apply it to everything, real estate, family, everything. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I learned that public failure is, uh, something that I can't accept.
1: Did you learn that the hard way? Did you have a bad experience that programmed you be that way, or
0: no? No, I just know I'm a quitter. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, like, when you have a huge goal, like, how do you make sure you don't miss it? Yeah, no, I, I see your point. Um, Like, you you told me that you don't tell anybody because you think it's bragging. So, like, how do you hold yourself accountable?
1: Well, if if the goal involves content, um, or anything. Well, so it's, it's easy to look and see. So I set doing this as a goal, and I have all the evidence right here of, here's when I was doing it, here's when I quit doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, it's, the struggle is, I do fall off a horse, right? Yep. It's how long does it take me to get back on, right? Is, does six weeks go by, and I turn around, how did that happen? Or do I have the focus to when the, when fires do arise and I've got them put out, do I immediately come back to it? Yeah. So I, I, I used to tell people, but it didn't, didn't work for me. But then again, I didn't make this huge public proclamation to the extent that you did. I would tell friends and family I was going to do something. It's going to be I, a hag. Oh yeah. Do you know what a hag is? Uh, well, I think I know what you mean just from your examples, but I, I could define the word. Big, hairy, audacious goal—a
0: b-hag. b-hag. You got to come up with b-hags. I like that. Don't don't make it a common goal. Make it a huge, just ridiculous goal.
1: Okay. So I think <clears throat> I think one of the problems that people struggle with when they set goals in general is
0: you okay? Oh yeah, I was just burping. I just <laughs> didn't want to burp into the uh, microphone.
1: It's all good. We'll take it out. Um, perfect. Um, I think people get. Like they go to these seminars and they get in this specific headspace, right? Yeah. Where they think about their goals along only that particular dimension, right? It's like you're living in that headspace in that moment and you set that goal based on how you feel right then, right? But then you wake up tomorrow and you're not the same person. Yeah. And how do you, do you have to put yourself back in that headspace or do you just say, I'm committed to, I'm so committed to this. That I'm doing it regardless of how I'm thinking or how I'm feeling, right? Um, or do you try to think holistically when you set the goals to begin with in terms of, so I know I'm not going to feel the way tomorrow that I feel right now. <clears throat> yep. Can I commit to this in light of that? See, I think you should consider everything when you're, when you're kind of putting your plan together.
0: So, but
1: but you did that to your point. You did that because, with your Adventures of Dad, you're trying to align your family with something that's measurable. Yeah, right. That that is a holistic approach.
0: Well, and because the thing is, like I said, I'm going to spend more time with my clients than my kids in the fourth quarter, and I failed miserably because I didn't have some measurable goal other than I said like some hours, but it wasn't a public right thing and so like i would go and i would sit down on sunday and i'd look back at my calendar and i was like well shit i only spent seven hours with the kids and i spent 60 hours with clients well i've screwed this up um and so now because of the videos like i have to schedule things out and i have to time block and make sure that things are ready to go otherwise it it doesn't happen and let me tell you if I do a Q&A with Huddy in the backseat of the car in the parking lot of school the morning that I have to publish it it's because I failed
1: <laughs> at least ha- you're doing it though uh,
0: it's, it's happened a couple times where I've just you know I've, I had to go to a showing you know something hits the market on at noon and like I had planned to go shoot from 5 to 7 with the kids and then all of a sudden you know I gotta go do a showing and so that ends up getting screwed up the kids are asleep by the time I get home and then I'm literally shooting a Q&A with the kid in the parking lot of school the next morning so I can then rush to the office, edit it, and get it out instead of like my normal edit time is like 10 to midnight
1: uh-huh.
0: or 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. So I can have it done and then I can have like a normal work day. And so a lot of times I get screwed up.
1: So the idea of the Q&A is you don't really have to edit much, but also... Oh, literally, it's one take. Yeah, you just and, t- I, and
0: I take it on my phone like, hey, Huddy, what's going on, dude? Yeah, I've seen that. What, what do you th- what do you think about mommy? What do you think mommy's going to be when she grows up? What's mommy's favorite color? <laughs> How tall is mommy? How old is mommy? How old is dad? Like just asking. It's just literally a Q&A for two or three minutes, but it meets the Those goals. are some of my favorite videos you do, by the way. Really? Yeah. See, I like like the, did you see the one about the electric skateboard? I did. Dude, like that was a serious like five camera production with drone and like the whole nine yards. Right. And it took an hour and a half to shoot <clears throat> that thing to produce like a two and a half minute video and it's effing great. Like I love it. I'm super pumped up about it and you know, it it actually hasn't gotten that many views. Right. But I liked it. Yeah. I think, you know, Peter McKinnon, right? I do. So
1: one of the things that, that worked for him. So there's, I think when people look at your content, they see production value. But also, it's key, the kind of personal connection, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that, that Q&A with Huddy mm-hmm. kind of format kind of satisfies that other piece. Yeah. Right? Um, and I don't like hearing what he says when you ask him. I mean,
0: Oh, yeah, it dude, it's hilarious. Up. He's funny. Everything's poop. Yeah. Um, one thing that I'm trying to work on is getting better at storytelling. So, you know, like it's, it's just some activity, but there's not like an angle on it. There's not like, a polarizing position, and so, like, what makes Casey Neistat so good is his ability to take some mundane task, and then, yeah, he's really good. I mean, like, dude, a, a Canon 70D is a nice camera, but it, like, comparing it to what's out there, you know, at the 1000 to $1,500 price point, it, it has a shit image quality. I mean, like, my cell phone can produce very similar image quality to the camera that he's using, so it's not like the gear, you know, he... He has great cinematic qualities, but he finds a way to tell a story out of something very, very simple where there's, you know, a hook, a, an intro, you know, you introduce a unique character. Do you ever listen did you ever get into any Russell Brunson?
1: No, I don't know who that is. ClickFunnels. Okay.
0: Dude, read it. So, uh, okay. Um so, a unique character, then a conflict, and then a resolution. And so, if you can tell that story and do it over and over and over again, like there's been several episodes that have really strong story. Like uh, the first time Huddy went skiing. Like, you know, we got the intro, we got this cool cinematic. Like, there's the intro, he's scared, he doesn't want to do it, you know, and then you see him struggle, and then he overcomes. And so, it's like this cool story of the kid overcoming his fear and actually skiing. Now, granted, it was really just him like standing on skis while I held him and like we skied together. But we're going to say he skied. And so, you know, figuring out a way to do that day in and day out and like becoming a better storyteller is something I really want to get good at. But if you haven't uh, heard of Russell Brunson, he runs a company called ClickFunnels. Um, okay. And like he is the king of online funnels and taking people from, you know, just basic interest to buying a course for fifteen hundred dollars or buying a product or whatever it is, you know, he understands how to take people through that journey. And that's one Just of the continual <laughs> commitments one after another. Like No, so you understand what a landing page is. Yeah. Okay. So basically Clip Funnels is a software that he sells and it comes with pre built funnels <clears throat> and structures. Um but he understands how to, you know, Capture the attention of the traffic, kind of like what we were talking about with the vlog. So he's a UX guy. Uh, yeah. So like the the vlog that you we were talking about when it came in, you know, like the hook in the first three seconds. Yeah. And then you know, then get into a story and give me a call to action. So he he wrote I don't know two or three different books. If you just if you Google Click Funnels, you it's one of the greatest funnels of all time. So he sells you a paperback book. Uh-huh. Like literally ships you a paperback book and does it at cost, but it's a higher value item than an ebook. And so because you think that it's higher value, you're willing to do it. And he breaks even on the thing. He might make a buck or two, but then he's got all these one click upsells in the funnel. And so he's trying to sell you like discounts on this class or this masterclass. And so his average shopping cart value on a $6.95 offer ends up being like 350 bucks. Yeah. Now I'm one of the minority that literally just went through and bought the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's all kinds of gems and like the business that I'm working on now is this, is your clever agent concept, right? Nope. It, it seems like you kind of applied that there. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, clever agent is definitely, so the clever agent is a, uh, it is an online class that teaches people how to make online video and how to master Facebook advertising for real estate agents. Um, I don't know it's doing like a thousand two thousand dollars in revenue a month and I literally do nothing I made about 60 YouTube videos I um, like 45 YouTube videos around questions that real estate agents ask for uh, Facebook ads and how to make content um, and then literally like I don't know I'm getting like 100 views a video per month, 50 views a video per month and then people, you know, come into the funnel and then it takes them through the funnel, takes them to a pre-recorded webinar and then sells them the course and the course is 397 bucks. Um and then if you finish the webinar, you can get the $100 how to shoot video with real estate video with your iPhone course um you know, free. And so it comes through there and it sells like 2 to 4 a month. Huh. Um, I could really push it. I just don't have the time. And I'm, I'm on to my next project.
1: Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Now,
0: I didn't mean to totally get you off course from ClickFunnels, no. but um, it just made me think of that. No, it's 100% a ClickFunnel. I mean, so ClickFunnels is just a piece of software, but understanding how people make purchasing decisions online is kind of the core of ClickFunnels, and he gives you a really nice recipe for it. But ultimately, this is nothing more than an offline funnel to sell a subscription to his uh, software, which I think is like 150 bucks a month to do, you know, make your landing pages and uh, uh, funnels. Internet man, the F and internet, man, <laughs> the F and internet. I mean, think about it. Zillow Realtor, truly they're nothing more than an internet funnel. hundred uh, percent. Except for that whole Realtor Op City thing. Interested to see how that goes. Have you heard about this? Uh, Fill me in. So Realtor.com used to sell, somebody would come and say, hey, I want to see this house or I want more information about this house. They would collect a name, email, and phone number, and they would sell it to a real estate agent for like, I don't know, it was like $500 a month, and they would give you 20 leads. Yeah, right, right. The same model that everybody's using. Right. And then just like last year when Zillow went to the concierge model that they called it, where their call center would qualify the lead and then pass it off. Realtor.com is now doing a model with OpCity where um, they don't charge you anything up front. The the person interested in real estate comes to Realtor.com, they complete the form, then it goes to OpCity and OpCity is nothing more than a call center and qualification platform a lot like Agentology Um, and they qualify the lead and then they hand it off to you but instead of paying like a flat fee of $500 a month, they take a 35% VIG on the commission. Uh, so how
1: well qualified are these leads really, though? I have no idea, man. It seems know. like a lot of people have a similar model, and it—I
0: mean, yeah. it's Look, not I've, always
1: a great deal for. Agents. I've
0: never paid for leads from yeah. Zillow Realtor Trulia. Um, I did a shitload of you know paid traffic to landing pages and generating my own leads from Facebook and Instagram, um, and even YouTube. And then I tried hooking up with Agentology. The problem was they had that super generic script of like, hey, I want to buy a house. And like my my landing pages and my folks were never like those people. Like sometimes they would be. And so like my conversion from Agentology was just crap because right. their script didn't match the landing page because they were set up just for Zillow leads, Truly leads. And so the way I was generating those leads was different and they were at a different point in the purchasing decision and so i used agentology for like six months and ended up canceling them just because the conversion was crap not because agentology is crap. i think they're great like if you if you have zillow and you want them to convert zillow leads for you dude they're great um but in my world it just didn't work and so then
1: you're spending money on top of spending money
0: uh, it was only five bucks a lead so it's five bucks for the first 25 leads or 50 leads and then it went down to four for the next 25 or 50 and it was three dollars a lead after that i mean you can't hire an isa and get them to call and have them available like you would have so agentology calls within the first five minutes and then they text email they've got this great follow-up process and they're available 24 7 like if you wanted to have that level of inside isa coverage your payroll would be like 180 two hundred thousand because you'd have to have three or four people um You know, on payroll plus FICA taxes, and they're doing this for you for three to five dollars a lead.
1: Economies of scale.
0: Yeah, and so it it, it's almost impossible to beat. But it didn't convert for me. Uh, I found that you know hitting people with an automated text message after they um, submitted something. You use Zapier? Huh. Yeah. Well, so dude, I've used I've duct taped things together with like (laughs) ten. it's okay. the most just jacked ass <laughs> string of shit you've ever seen. Like, there's like six or seven different services, and yeah. I've, got, I've got maps of it drawn out. Yeah. And like, every time you create a new funnel, you have to set all this stuff back up, and it's a pain in the butt. Um, <clears throat> Twilio is what I used. And then um, I can see the logo. I can't think of the name of it, but Twilio was the texting was the the voip service um, that allowed me to do uh, desktop texting from an automated funnel and then god i can't think of the name of the service but it was really cool you could do email text um anything you want and it was just a a drag and drop Um, and so form completed immediately send text wait 24 hours send text number two did they respond? And it had it was literally just drag and drop. And so you could create this flowchart of like what was going to happen. And you could send them emails. And honestly, the, the best thing that worked was I would send somebody a text message and ask them a question, some open ended question about hey, I saw you're looking at 123 Main Street. Um, what did you like about the house? And just send them a text message, right? And then I would, you know, sign it Morgan Franklin Atlas Trust Real Estate, whatever. And so asking them that open ended question, then they would respond to me. And because I'd already opened that channel of communication, then I would go in the next day and then respond to them as a single individual person, not have to worry about this huge team and all these ISAs. And so I could batch it because I would, you know, hit them immediately. And so getting within the first five minutes was super important to getting responses but like if it was one o'clock in the morning it would automatically send the text and then i could respond to him at 10 o'clock the next day like hey steve oh that's really great that you like the open concept have you thought about looking at this house this house and this house oh no those are great listings great have you uh talked to a lender about getting pre-qualified oh yeah here's my pre-qual letter oh you haven't oh here well you need to talk to this person and You know, that was 10 times more effective than, uh, and I'm going to KW bash real quick than the call center. I'm just going to literally cold call the damn phone book, uh, because I had people that had intent and I found a way to communicate with them on their terms. Right. Uh, because I don't know, literally if you call me, like I hate you, right? I don't want to talk to you on the telephone. No one does. Um, so you know, that, that worked really, really well. Um, I haven't done so much of it this year. Did you see that Zillow, uh, You c- okay, so you know Zillow Instant Offers, right? Uh-huh. So it, it's I think it's in Phoenix. They uh-huh. just started this a couple of weeks ago. You can now request a showing and gain access from the Zillow app without a buyer's agent if it's a Zillow-owned property. This is step two of the iBuyers. Yes. So there's no buying agent. Zillow is the listing agent. Right. So there's no real estate agent involved. Right. 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 And so it's just a matter. And and so it's currently only on. Zillow's fine. Zillow owned properties. So talk to me about the conversations you have with, with
1: sellers regarding price. So you come back with a range, right? And you say, here's a strategy. You come back and say, this is what you should list your house for. And here's why.
0: Uh, So what I'll do is I'll pull a list of everything that's sold in the last 6 to 12 months within a quarter mile or half mile radius, pull all those down, then I'll go to the PVA and look to see if there's anything that's sold off market, you know, not with an agent and flesh out my list. then I literally will calculate a price per square foot uh, for above grade square footage. And then I give a range of min, uh, average, max, and then I go in and I look at the photos of all of them, and I come up with an estimated value based on like where does our property fall in this range of options, um. And then you know I say here's what I think your house would sell for, and then here's what I think we should price it at to achieve that price, and here's how it's going to work, and here's you know you know, how to get the best terms, you know, because it's not always the price, it's also the terms. And so, you know, I will often tell my folks to price it right at what I recommend or even 1% below so that they get a feeding frenzy. Right. Because, you know, let's just say a house is lifted at a hundred thousand. If I listed at 105 and I get a contract at 105, but I'm paying $2,500 in closing costs. And then they beat me up in the inspections. I end up below 100. Whereas if I it at 99, I've got three offers, it gets to 103. And then I have no, no concessions. And when we get to inspections, they don't ask a bunch of damn questions, because they know that there's two other people waiting in the wings waiting to steal that property from them. And so, you know, explaining that doesn't always go that well. But data, 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 yeah. data. I don't know why you're doing all that work.
1: You could... Seems like you could just look at this estimate.
0: (laughs) You know what the sad part is? (laughs) I do look at this estimate.
1: Well, it's it's important for the consumer-facing side. It's important to know what that what that is because that that is a piece of people's expectations, right?
0: So I did a statistical analysis back in 2014. I hired an outsourcer. Z scores. Uh, Yeah, I hired a. Um, outsourcer to go and pull six months of data. And so we looked at the Z estimate the day it was listed, and then we looked at the actual price it sold for. And so, I don't know, I spent like $500 compiling this report and did this huge statistical analysis. I actually had a high school math uh, teacher come and do like the statistics for me. And basically... First
1: thing you said to me in here is, you know, you're a nerd, right? Now he's a nerd.
0: (laughs) I'm a nerd. And so... The, um, the on average, dude, the Z estimate spot on. Like, on average across all properties, it is spot on. On average. On average. But there are some serious outliers. Right. And so, you know, like, let's just say you're at Masterson Station, right? And we've got a three-bedroom, two-bath ranch on a slab. By God, that Z estimate is going to be spot on. Right. Like, it's going to be within $500 of what right. the house sells for. But... You give me a bungalow built in the 1920s, right? Um, you know, that has some odd features, and it's going to be so wrong, it's not even funny. So, like, if you have a house that was built in like the last 15 20 years, Z estimate chances are it's gonna be spot on because your house is in a neighborhood with a lot of houses that are similar, it's gonna be really spot on. But, like, you got a house out in the country, or you've got an older house that's really unique, or there haven't been a whole lot of sales in the area, then the Z estimate is complete crap or flip, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. So,
1: again, referencing the video from yesterday, it's not that it can't be we right. We plugging the shit out you of You just that video. have no clue. Hey, man, it
0: just keeps coming up. It is what it is. Are you good? Uh, oh, yeah. I just got a text message. I don't pay attention to you. I don't love you anymore.
1: It's cool, man. It's not like we're videoing or recording or anything. Uh, it'll be fine.
0: <laughs> what's your five-year plan? Uh, It's not even a five-year plan. It's a one-year plan. Okay, What's sure. So what I'm working on right now, so I spent the last three years uh, representing a custom home builder. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Um, Having a home builder is the single greatest thing a real estate agent could ever do because you've got a stable of unlimited listings and people calling you at all times. Literally, you know, it never stops. Um, And so I tripled that builder's production in 18 months. Um, from their record sale year ever to, um, you know, the, the best they'd ever done was about 4 million. And then, the, the last 12 months I was with them, we crossed 10 million in a single year. And so I, I it just kind of had this aha moment. And so even as Zillow takes over resale real estate, right. New construction is still going to happen you know, people are going to continue to build houses. And especially at like that half million and up price point, you've got all these baby boomers that are starting to retire and they want to build, you know, a half million dollar ranch. They all want ranches on basements, right? Three or four bedroom ranch on a basement in a nice luxury neighborhood. And so the builder is going to make anywhere from 12 to 15, sometimes 20% on that build. So let's just say 15% on a half million, you know, not a bad little chunk of change. And so, generating those leads and because um and there's a lot of builders across the country that will pay the commission to the buyer agent at the you know contract just to get them the hell out of the way. And so what I'm working on right now is finding new construction buyers and uh, matching them up with new home builders. Um because in a new construction world, my service is of value to a listing agent because they're now going to double side the transaction where they're going to get, you know, double the commission. So what I'm doing is I understand how to find people that are interested in new construction, I did it for the last two and a half, three years. And I understand the questions they ask and I understand where they hang out online. I go talk to them where they're hanging out online. This is not an automated Zillow type. This is still Morgan doing his
1: marketing personally, but going out and finding people.
0: manually. No. So I'm using Facebook, Instagram ads, AdWords, um, YouTube to answer the questions that people ask about new construction. Okay, I answer their questions, but to give them those answers, I get their name, email and phone number. Then I get them on the phone. I talk to them. I understand their wants and needs. And then I pair them up with a builder that's a good match for them. And then I charge the builder a fee to introduce them for that appointment. The exact same thing that Zillow's doing. In Phoenix, Arizona? Uh, not not in Phoenix yet. Or just... Yep. Wow.
1: Old. Uh, yeah. Wow. Bold. Yeah, we'll see. Why do you think Zillow isn't playing in that space more than they are?
0: Volume. They're too big and there's just not... I mean, so they have a new construction product. Um, it's just not good. Yeah. They tried to take their new construction product and stuff it into their you know, map search product for retail, for resale. And so most home builders, especially custom home builders don't have models. And so you have to actually have something, you have to have a a listing to be able to put it on Zillow under their new construction product. And so it's not like it's a different colored dot. Like you can't, the only way you can tell new construction on Zillow is if you go and you filter your built to like, you know, current year. and most builders don't take advantage of it. They don't understand how it works. They don't list all their properties. And so like you can even do like a feature community, which I did with them uh, for like 90 days and it was a disaster. I literally got zero leads and like I've chalked it full of photos and videos and like every th- all the best practices. But the problem is people don't go to Zillow looking for new construction. Right. They, they Google home builders and they ask some specific questions. And so, You know, doing it for two and a half, three years, I understand what they want, what they want to understand, what they want to know. And then I literally just answer those questions. You have to find them. Mm -hmm. That's a secret sauce. (laughs) Man, I'm going to have to chew on this. Yeah. So the goal is, uh, big proclamation, in the next 18 months, I'm going to have a million dollars of gross revenue. There it is. Million dollars of gross revenue. Selling leads uh online to n- new home builders. Um I just signed a contract with a company to build out the website yesterday. It was a it was a handsome check. Um it, it it's gotta work. Yeah, it's gotta it, work now. It better work. It better work. Uh otherwise I wasted, you know, a good chunk of change. And so it should I'm already running it right now on just crappy landing pages that I built myself just to prove the concept. And so it's definitely working. Um, and so now it's just a matter of scaling it and figuring out who's going to make all these phone calls because I don't have the time to make all these phone calls. Like yesterday I spent three hours calling people interested in new construction. How'd that go? Good. Good. Cause the thing is once somebody Nobody answers the question. Everybody just like when you go to a builder's website, it doesn't say shit. It's usually hasn't been updated in a year. Yeah. You don't know, like you have some floor plans. You don't have all their floor plans because they're old. And so people want to know like, what floor plans do you have? Where do you build? What do you have available right now? What does it cost to build? And nobody will ever answer that an- that question. What does it cost to build? And so I look at those questions and I find ways to answer them objectively <laughs> So people are interested and want to engage in a conversation. I capture their information somehow, um, whether it's a form or it's a retarget pixel. And then I take them to a next step of engagement. And then like, I'll follow them. Like if somebody comes to my, let's just say I find them through Google or AdWords, they come to my website and then I do a light engagement where I just get them to, you know, estimate the cost of a home, but I don't ask them to be friends with me just yet. Right. Then I will put them into a retarget based on that pixel that fired when they visited my website, and then I'll go find them on Instagram or on Facebook, and then I'll reengage them there, and then ask them to talk to me on Facebook Messenger, because Facebook Messenger has an open rate of ninety-two percent, whereas email only opens like fire email listers like twenty to twenty-five percent. So then I'll engage them on Facebook messenger and then have the conversation there. Or I'll catch them on the first rip and I'll get their name, email and phone number. And then I'll have a text conversation with them and just start that conversation, build trust. And then once I've built that trust and answered the question, and I'm like, I'm delivering serious value because I I have answers to the questions they want. Build trust and I'm like, okay, this is the builder that you wanna talk to. And then I call the builder. I say, hey, are you available Saturday at three o'clock? They say, Yep, sounds good. All right, Tom and Joe Smith will be over here at three o'clock on Saturday, and then you owe me a fee for arranging that appointment.
1: Yeah, you just got to have somebody get on the phone for you,
0: huh? I'm doing it all right now. Yeah, so
1: it's working. How much resale business are you doing right now?
0: Uh, if I do seven or eight million this year, I'll be surprised. Um, that's like 50% of what I did last year, just not where your energy's at, huh? I think that the market slowed down and I'm not putting energy into marketing. Like I haven't made three real estate videos since the beginning of January. So like for me to be successful, I know that I need to get a half million real estate views. Um, and so that could be, you know, a thousand videos. They get uh 5,000. I think that's how it yeah. 5,000 times, yeah, 500,000. Um, or it could be one video that gets 500,000. But I just know that from like the past three or four years of being in real estate, if I want to hit, you know, 50 units, um, you know, 50 houses sold, I've got to get half million to 600,000 gross views a year. Um, and so, so far this year, I think I'm at like 35, 40,000. And we're almost through the first quarter. So I've just pivoted because I want to spend more time with my kids and my family and being a blocking and attacking real estate agent is not the way to do that.
1: You might be the first person I've ever heard who's done the math on video views on Facebook and, and your conversion rate mm-hmm. and how many you need to get to sell X amount of dollars.
0: Uh, it's because at the end of every year I do a recap video And I, you know, basically just brag about how many video views I got that Uh year. uh And so over the last three years, I just went and looked and like, all right, here's how many transactions I did. Here's how many video views I got. And there's a very strong uh, correlation between the two.
1: Year in and year out. Yep.
0: What year did you get your license? August of 14, I sold one house that year. And then 15, I think I did like 1.7 or 1.9. Uh, and then in 16 is when I started getting into video I had sold like 1.5 million um, up until September of 2016. And then I did 30 videos in 30 days. And following that, I did 1.9 in the following 45 days. Uh, so I did, I sold more in the following 45 days than I had in the previous three quarters. So that 1.9 after the 30 and 30? Closed before the end of the year. And I ended up doing like 4.3 million that year.
1: Were those bigger listings or, or more smaller listings or how did that play it, out? It
0: was like a bunch of $150,000 houses. Really? Just gutting it out. But I was going and I was making listing videos. And I was making content videos. And this is back when you could get video views for like four, you know, four for a penny. Right. Back in the glory days of yeah. Facebook ads. And it's th- still the best thing out there. It is. It just hurts so bad. <laughs> like I had a pretty decent... Video, so it was about Lexington. Did you see it? Yeah, we talked about. it. Yeah, you know you're from Lexington, if. Yeah, dude, I put two hundred bucks behind that thing. I got like twenty thousand views, and it had over four hundred shares.
1: Is this is your ad still running on that, uh, or did no, you just do a I put, quick?
0: I put, put, put two hundred bucks behind it in forty eight hours to get the bump, and because of the algorithm, did it stop at like twenty thousand views? Really, it should like in two thousand sixteen that would have done hundred thousand, um, and so. How many shares? 392 shares, 417 engagements, 153 comments, and it still isn't even 20,000 views yet. Dude, like, that just the sh- the
1: shares to views ratio is terrible. Huh, it's And
0: you you're maxing out on your ad there. Huh, yeah, I spent 200 bucks and I was like I'm not going to throw any more money at this. And so Facebook ads have gotten really expensive. And so relative to where they used to be. They're still cheap relative to everything else. And so that's why you have to marry your qual and your quant. Um, I don't know if you're a Gary B fan or not. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. So your qualitative is like, what is, how pretty does it look? You know, how good is your storytelling? What does your image look like? What does your video look like? And the quantitative is how did you set up your ad? Did you do it correctly? And so like you really have to get to a relevant score of eight or nine or 10 or better. Um, Otherwise you're just going to blow money. So like anything that is a seven or below, I instantly kill that ad on Facebook. It better be an eight and some, and honestly I've gotten to i I'm kind of gotten to a point now where it's like not a nine or better. Like I kill it because I know that my cost per view is gonna be through the roof. So you've got to get much better at telling that story and getting people engaged and getting that conversion. Whereas before it could just be, I almost spend 20 bucks and get 5,000 views, buddy. That was phenomenal. Like when I was really after it in 2016, like the summer of 16 and fall of 16, I would spend like $20 and get four or 5,000 views. It was ridiculous. And now to get 5,000 views, you know, you're going to spend anywhere from 60 to 100 bucks. Um, it's, it's changed drastically.
1: So if, if a person was trying to use the same strategy and build a retargeting audience now— And you had to do that now. How would you do it? What would your approach be? Uh,
0: So here's the secret to my real estate video success. Okay. You ready for the secret? Retarget audience. Yeah. Okay. So there's approximately 400,000 people in and around Lexington, right? The only thing I care about is keeping an audience of about 25,000, 30,000 of them engaged with my content. And so what I do is I, uh, anytime I publish a video, I make a video for uh, wide. I call it a wide audience where I try and grab new viewers. And then I have a retarget audience of, and I keep it between twenty five and 35,000 people. Um, and what I want to do is anybody that watches 15 seconds or more of any of my content, I then put them into the retarget audience. And then I continue to show them and as long as they will watch 15 seconds of my content and I keep that audience live for 90 days. So if you haven't watched... A video in ninety days, and you fall out of the group, like you obviously aren't interested. But my goal is instead of being a facial tissue. So you're running
1: two campaigns, every w- ad. with every ad, one to grab viewers, and then the other to retarget to the
0: retarget audience. Okay, and I'll start with twenty bucks a piece. So forty dollars for the ad, uh-huh. twenty dollars to grab new people. And then $20 to the retarget audience. And I want to continue to re-engage those people so that I build brand. So that when they come time to buy or sell real estate, they can't think of using anybody else. Uh Because do you use a facial tissue or do you use a Kleenex? Uh I want to be Kleenex. Uh Do you want to be a a Sam's Cola or do you want to be Coca-Cola? Right. And so I don't care about being like the number one thought of every single person in the world. Right. But... I can laser focus in on people who have engaged with my brand and care about, you know, what I'm the message that I'm sending and then I comp- I just continually beat them over the head and tell them the same message again and again and again and again and I I discovered that I want to say it was early 2017 because I didn't introduce the video cuz the video view retarget I want to say was like early 2017 like middle of 2017 before you had to get them to a landing page, you had to take them outside of Facebook and get a, a Facebook pixel to read to fire, and so like that was tougher and like your cost per person into the retarget was really expensive. Well, now you can you can literally do it for anybody that has a three second watch time. Now I I argue that those people were just really not paying attention and were swiping, so that's why I like to set it a little bit higher. But just taking those people and beating them over the head because the average person is going to move one out of every seven years. Okay. Then we take 50% of those, actually, it's like 44% of people in Fayette County own their home, right? So let's take that one in 14 people. So one in 14 people is going to move this year, then we multiply that by 12. So that's like, we'll call it 150. So for every 150 people that see your video, they're going to move and buy a house this year. And so let's even take that down to 50% because let's just say we've got a couple. And so you're hitting both of them. So that's one in 300. So One out of every 300 people that watch your video are going to buy a house this month. And why are they going to use somebody else? Because you didn't do the job of re-educating them over and over and over and over and over again with your content and entertaining them and delighting them and telling them and proving to them that you're the absolute best real estate agent in the face of the earth. And that's literally the formula. But the problem is making videos hard for a lot of people. um, And it takes a shitload of work.
1: And a lot of time huh yeah well
0: you get you get better at it like you a lot of people are like are hesitant and they make excuses because they think they have to have you know some fancy DSLR or this mirrorless camera and honestly I shoot like 60% of all my content with a damn cell phone
1: so is there anywhere I could get like a PDF that explains how to do this
0: funny that you asked that dad if you head over to clever hyphen real estate or clever agentcom uh, it will take you to, uh, my, uh, teachable platform where you can take my uh, real estate video for dummies course, as well as real estate or Facebook ads, one oh one for real estate agents. But just a PDF, does that cost money? Probably a hundred bucks, right? Uh, at least it's not free. It's not free. It's not free.
1: How much does it cost?
0: So, if you just want the the ads course or the video course, it's ninety nine bucks. If you want the Facebook ads course, it's three ninety seven. But today and today only, if you buy the three ninety seven ads course, you get the video course for free. Look at that, everybody! Because if you even if you understand how to make a Facebook ad, you still have to understand how to make the qualitative portion of it, the content on the front end, so that you can have a successful ad. Um, or you can do it like I did it and literally just get on YouTube. And just keep searching, keep watching videos, keep reading blog articles like my background's in corporate finance. Yeah. Right. Like I'm an accounting nerd and I had no idea how to do any of this stuff and learned everything from uh, YouTube videos. Like go watch the Ask Gary Vee show. Go read all of his books. Go watch, you know, people who talk about real estate online and you can learn how to do all this stuff. Or you can buy my course and I'll just save you a bunch of time and package all up in a nice little uh, offering for you
1: I mean I value my time it seems like a good <laughs> deal to me
0: uh, so I don't know the, the retarget the the profits in the retarget and you know you can you can keep that audience engaged for like 150 200 bucks a month um, just making one video a week That's all you got to do 150 200 bucks
1: a month in 2019. <laughs>
0: Yeah, in 2019
1: 25 to thirty five thousand people engaged for
0: two hundred dollars a month. Eh, it'd be a little bit more th- than that for an audience, but like you can easily do thirty transactions a year off your retarget audience of ten to fifteen thousand people. So let's let's just do that. So let's just say fifteen thousand by three hundred. That's fifty transactions. If you're the the number one, let's just say you capture 20% of that. There's 10 deals. Um, you know, average real estate agent in the United States does six transactions for an average income of $38,000. So by spending $2,400 a year in ad spend 200 bucks a month, you should be able to beat that in spades.
1: How much would it cost with the same conversion on Zillow?
0: Uh, I don't know. All I know is everybody's complaining because Zillow's getting more and more and more expensive. Yeah, All right. I mean, so the last time I took a poll of what people were spending versus what they were you know, achieving in Central Kentucky, their average cost per conversion was about $1,200 on a $4,800 gross revenue. So about 25% of their uh, income. So literally, I don't know, let's just say you wanted to do... Ten transactions at seventeen thousand. So ten transactions, 12, seventeen thousand, or
1: do the work, make your own content, fifty transactions, and spend twenty four hundred dollars a year.
0: Uh, I think for twenty four hundred dollars a year, you're going to get more like ten to fifteen. That fifty is like if you got every single person that was going to buy a house in that audience, and let's face it, you're not going to do that.
1: No, they have aunts so and uncles that sell a house an aunt a year. And that uncle, they, have to use. they
0: yeah. you right. know, their parents want them to use somebody or they have peer pressure because they right. go to church with somebody yeah, right. and they don't want to see that person and tell them how oh, I bought a house and it wasn't with you. The
1: lesson here. People is don't have friends.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, I've banned so many people from my boat. Like if you've, if you've been on my boat and we've been, we've been out boating and we've drank beers together and you buy a house with somebody else, you now have a lifetime ban from the boat. <laughs> There's three people on that list. No shit. I hate the just. There's nothing worse than when you have a personal relationship with somebody and they use another agent. Like it's literally the most soul crushing. I want to go cry. hundred percent. It's the worst thing in especially the world, especially
1: when you've done a lot of work for them. Oh yeah. And they end up buying a house that they was ill advised. Yep. Paying too much for it, or just ended up with a with a bad deal as selling their house. Yep. So not only did they not use you. It went a lot worse than it should have. Yeah,
0: 100%. Or my favorite is, like, they'll go buy a house with another agent, and then they'll call you. Hey, do you have a recommendation for a home inspector? I'm like, you can go fuck yourself. what you can do. <laughs> you can go outside and play hide and go f*** yourself. <laughs> There's no hate in my heart. I don't think people understand, really. Dude, I got I got nailed uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, been working with a client who going to buy a new construction Sat down with three builders. I've spent I don't know thirty hours yeah. doing work with them, right. and, and then they called me. They went to an open house for a builder, and they they bought a, a home unrepresented from directly from the builder. Not like it would
1: have cost them any more to work with you either.
0: Huh? No. Well, and the thing is, I had assigned buyer rep, but what good is it going to do me? Like, if I go sue this person, and then I saw them at a birthday party over the weekend, and they just hey, Morgan. Like, like, Nothing's nothing wrong. You. I'm like, how you been? Hi, you. Have you caught cancer yet? <laughs> that's disappointing. <laughs> oh, and shit like that's why I can't wait to get out of real estate.
1: <laughs> I hope you didn't get a radon test, and I hope your house would have failed. Uh, yeah. All
0: right. I hope you enjoy that lung cancer. <laughs> no hate. No. No hate. Oh well I don't know I feel like this has been a productive and hateful conversation (laughs) we've we've ended on a really negative note yeah well it's the world we we live in man life is suffering yeah I'm just super pumped I got to come check out the uh the Thad Emporium with all the the guitars you know we got one Epiphone and a shitload of PRSs we've got all this cool stuff like I'm super jealous I kind of want to just come over here and play music
1: well you should you're gonna have to come back we'll do a non-real
0: estate podcast okay Alright, dude. Well, uh, I gotta jump and get to my next appointment. Cool, man. Good to see you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.